Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Hello, and welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings toward our two favorite characters, Jamie and Bran. And welcome to um, Tyrion 3 of A Game of Thrones. We're continuing our read of book one, which is, does everyone feel like this is just moving so fast? Yeah. Like, the chapters are yeah. so snippy. Yeah. I love it. Um, okay, so I am joined today by a couple of the usual suspects. We have Kama. Oh, hi, this is Kama, and you can find me at Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. And Guile. Hi, I'm Guile. You can find me at Door Podcast on Twitter. And we have some guests today. We have Cody. Hey, I'm Cody, and you can find me at The Crimson Lord on Twitter. And Joy. Hi, I'm Joy, and you can find me at Fiction is My Way Through Life on Tumblr. Seems like Perfect. a good idea today. Yeah, I know. I know. Fiction would be a great way to live life right now. <laughs> That's I mean, point. I try, but reality kind of forces me to look at it. It's kind of gross. That's damn reality. Um, okay, so I am Chicky. I am um, at the Chikrin on Twitter. Um, and so I guess we might as well just dive in. Um, oh, I was going to give some context for this, which is funny since I didn't really look up the context for this stuff. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So I, I know that we know that Bran is is going to live. Right. Yes. And we we learned that, that Benjen is missing. Yep. Yes. Lost somewhere. And so the setting for this chapter is Tyrion is about to leave um, for Winterfell. He's still at Castle Black. He's going to leave for Winterfell the next morning. Um, so the the beginning of the chapter is I thought it was really funny. Cause it's kind of like the Night's Watch leaders like set up this like all you can eat crab leg dinner for Tyrion to kind of. <laughs> better- before he leaves. Um, so they're there kind of buttering him up, but Tyrion actually gets into like this little like spat with Alistair Thorne. I thought this was really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, there's one thing that we missed in the, the prior John chapter was kind of John and Alistair Thorne's blow up because John started helping um, some of the other recruits. So, you know, we've kind of, have the context of Thorne being our villain. So then here's our hero, Tyrion, you know, attacking him with the tiny fork. <laughs> <laughs> the crab fork. This should have been the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it absolutely, yeah, it absolutely should. Maybe it, it would have hit Dinklage's dignity too much to do this scene I of, mean, like, standing on a table and stabbing Sir Alison. <laughs> I mean, fork. he was an elf, so... Yeah. You make a good point there. <laughs> I don't know. I did, you know, like reading the different guys in the the Night's Watch leadership. I kind of forgot who Jeremy Riker was, but of course, I totally liked him in these couple of pages. So I just had to look up, like, oh, he's the one that the White kills before it attacks uh, Jorah Mormont. I'm like, oh, damn, he was cool <laughs> for like that half a page. Now he's gone. <laughs> 
that's so sad. I literally just have a note with the spelling of Jeremy. Yeah, like whatever, and then George. Re- really went really Mr. Martin <laughs> in the, what we're doing now. <laughs> this thing huh. he does where he just like changes one letter in the spelling of a name. <laughs> I was just like, I know it's supposed to be Jeremy, but now I'm really tempted to just be like, it's Jeremy. Oh, he's totally Jeremy. It's Jar- he's, he's Jeremy to me. <laughs> Oh, it should be that. I should call him Jeremy. I mean, I halfway wonder sometimes if that is what he wants us to do. I, you're just never sure. Like, Brienne is really Brian. <laughs> like, what's his face? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brian is where I draw the line. <laughs> did we ever find out? It, did Roy Dotries just make his own pronunciations up, or did he? Is that actually. What happened was this is the story that I've heard, and this is like secondhand, secondhand. Um, what happened was they wrote up a list of the names and, and you know, place names and words that they thought that Dotrice might have trouble with. And they sent that to him. And what he ended up having trouble with was everything you wouldn't expect him to have trouble with. Like, Brienne is, like, relatively, you know, self-explanatory. So you'd think that he would be able to pronounce that. But no. <laughs> but does he call oh. Davos Davis? <laughs> So we don't really know which ones are supposed to be what is that? Well, people have asked George over the years, but um, so maybe we kind of have an idea. But yeah, with Brienne, it was. um, Yeah, I mean, Brienne to me is just like, I mean, English is my second language, so I I have to create some kind of rules. But I'm like, there's not a double E, therefore it's an N sound. So I was like, I don't think it's Brienne. So. Yeah, well, I'm sure you were guessing. Well, and like, as a native English speaker, let me tell you, um, George Martin's grasp of spelling is poor. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost as good as his math. Yeah, yeah. How about a fantasy world where the English language has like rigid and fast rules like that's like the twist is that there is no you know i before e except that nope it's always i before e like german fantasy yeah (laughs) german fantasy would be like very rigid wouldn't it like very like obsessed with like the cleaning situation you know, I admit it's been a very longest time since I had to, like, learn the German language. But what I loved about it was that their irregular verbs were sort of regular. Yeah. It, the only crazy pants thing was that you could move stuff around in a sentence all over the place and it didn't seem to matter. And I could never grasp what the hell I was doing. But, you know, otherwise it was pretty rigid. You know, I bet in these worlds we would have had the winds of winter already. You know, there probably uh, is a world where we have the winds of winter already. <laughs> I like, be alternative universe <laughs> us have already read it. Uh, Did we like it? I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably not. Let's be real. We probably didn't like it when we got it in the multiverse. <laughs> Um, okay, so this this uh, little spat with Alistair Thorne ends with Alistair Seriously, and it seems serious, calling Tyrion out for a duel, um, which is just ridiculous. Like, he actually wants to fight Tyrion. <laughs> um, and so then Alistair leaves, and um, we have a little bit of exchange with the uh, Night's Watch. And there's this interesting moment where Maester Aemon um, 
says this line about Tyrion um, where he says that he thinks he's a giant come among them, um, which was, I don't know. It's probably, it's funny because George has that, that thing and it's John's chapter, right? Where is it John's first chapter where Tyrion's shadow? Yeah. 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 So like, what's he getting at with this? I mean, is I, I mean, like, I honestly wonder at this stage of the game, what what was the point of this? I think it's just, I think it's always he's always had plans for Tyrion to do something kind of monumental in terms of like the structure of Westeros, even if the way he changed kind of evolved as he wrote. But it definitely, and I do think he's still planning on that because. Every time he, they talk about his shadows and things, I just think about later on when he's on the boat. I think it's Makoro that says that... Oh, no, it's someone else that says that sometimes small men can cast a large shadow or something like that. That's always in my mind. So I'm always like, oh, that's interesting because I never paid attention to it here. Because I almost never reread this chapter. Do you think that is, you know, is Eamon kind of referring to Tyrion's reputation as... A scholar, or is this kind of, you know, some kind of Aemon? You know, do you think he had any prof- any kind of prophetic dreams or prophetic notions ab- about Tyrion? And I just say that just, you know, obviously we know he has had a relationship with Bloodraven. So is this another, you know, Bloodraven in the mix type of thing? Does he have any other than that though? I don't remember. No, well, he he, he does so. the I dreamed I was old. Was that yeah. is that considered a? Yeah. Premonition of well, our games. That's a premonition. No, I just all thought that was. Just, yeah, well. <laughs> well, he, a he, little bit, but he, yeah, he does eventually kind of sense that uh, he should go to Danny. Yeah. Um, I mean, although is I don't know that he credits that to it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. It's been a while. I don't know that he credits that to premonition per se. But I mean, he is a Targaryen and an old one, as you mentioned. So, I mean, I don't know. Is he just trying to to have a quite certain knack for randomly giving advice to people who are going to be randomly important, but this is fantasy, so is it just plot related or is it it actually him? You know, Tyrion's really famous, so maybe it is like, you know, this super learned, clever dwarf that that everyone knows because he's a Lannister. So it could be like he's kind of like a rock star come to the wall. Well, there's yeah. another answer here, and that's that he's being politic, and that he knows. Yeah. I mean, he is a Targaryen, and he's managed yeah. to survive to a very old age at the Wall, no less. And I don't imagine you don't do that if you're not smart and know when to. So it's just flattery. I don't know if it's flat. I mean, it doesn't have to be I don't flattery. Know why I sound but... so offended. <laughs> no, I mean, but I mean, it's like you know, a well-placed compliment, even if it's a, I mean, it is a legit compliment here and there does a lot. I mean, it's doesn't have to mean, you know, I, I don't know why that would be a bad thing. Oh, it's no. just someone it's, who's shrewd and knows when to butter somebody it's up. Just, it's just funny. Cause I feel like we've sort of illustrated maybe the two sides of, or two of the many sides, I guess, of, reading these books, which is me thinking, maybe it's prophetic and it means something. You saw him in a dream and you're like, maybe they all got together and decided they need to kiss his ass so that we go selfie. <laughs> like, tells the king what we want him to tell him. Like, it's the practical versus the fantastical. Um, so, it's, I mean, it's kind of what makes him fun, too. I mean, not going to lie, that was my thought, was what that was behind the grab dinner and all that. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. 
Right. I mean, the other the other possibility is at the time George wrote it, he thought, you know, he was going to do something with that. I don't know. I, I just read it as this was these were smart men who were trying to, you know, they they realized they had a Lannister there, someone who was well placed to maybe try to get a message to the queen or the king, more likely, because, you know, mm-hmm. not yeah. really realizing how doomed that was as an option. You're but probably right. Maybe. Well, I mean, clearly there's something... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Cody. When when was the last time that someone this important came to the Wall? I mean, surely it's been a while. They've been left alone by themselves for quite some time. It's kind of surprising Robert didn't go to the Wall, because that seems like that would have been such a Bobby B thing to do. (laughs) Maybe Uh, young Bobby B. Yeah. Two holes, it's cold, lots of dudes, probably not. (laughs) Well, and it's only on the show that they've got that well-placed, you know, really well-staffed brothel. I mean, I mean, there's a brothel in the books, but it doesn't sound like it's anything much. I mean, so why would Robert go? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. eh, Sounds so appealing. Back in the day. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, you, you, yeah, you definitely get the sense that they, they want to pounce on this. It's funny though because Benjen was just at Winterfell with Robert and Ned and everybody. That's a very and we good know, point. And we like, know that Benjen, we know that Benjen did talk to Ned about things, right? But, but you, I wonder yeah. if Benjen kind of made himself very scarce around Robert just because he knows, you know, about John and about Lyanna. I mean, I don't. I, I, Robert doesn't know, so why would he need to make himself scarce? I don't. Well, just because he's no, probably you know that Benjamin stark honesty. Him, sorry. What but was I, that, Joy? No, I was just saying like I think Benjamin and Ned honestly just can't stand being around Lannisters too much. So That's I just true. think he was just like, er, you know, he's like I joined a nice why Night's Watch to avoid all this shit, so <laughs> I'm not going to try and. Yeah. Interaction. Pretend that I like them. <laughs> Although I don't know what Benjen would have against the Lannisters. Like what they ever do to him. Well, I mean, the way he behaves with Tyrion to me yeah. says that he clearly has some kind of grudge because, mm. um, otherwise, there's really no reason. Of all the Lannisters, the least offensive one, and he still seems so annoyed and by his like, very presence. I mean, the only. The only like interaction we've ever heard of Benjen having with I mean we've literally never heard him having any interactions with the Lannisters though before because you know at the tourney at Harrenhal Tywin wasn't there I don't think no. and J- and uh, Jamie had to leave right away so like yeah. his whole interaction with the Lords of the South would have been there where none of the Lannisters were like if anything he should be you know pissed at the Targaryens, but he seems to handle Aemon just fine. Yeah. Well, no, I know? think it's just through Ned. I think they just they have this weird... Yeah. I mean, Ned, for me, at least, how I interpret it is that Ned, like, the he hates Tywin and he thinks his yeah. children are exactly like him, so he's like, yeah, exactly. I'm not interested. <laughs> so I think Benjen, especially because they were so traumatized after the rebellion and everything like and their entire strategy was to retreat and try to forget about everything mm-hmm. that happened so it wouldn't be surprising to me that Ned sort of like almost you know you know sometimes when you 
know someone who who hates someone else, you almost start to hate that other person more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that's literally the only impression you ever have of that one person. So it it's it, it kind of feels like this to me. Like Benjamin almost feels a little bit immature in some places. Oh, he probably yeah. is. Yeah, I think he probably is too. He's been so far removed, like everyone else at the wall, that, yeah. you know, I mean... <laughs> and he was probably, like, really young when he went there, because he probably, you know, we kind of assume he went there, you know, post-Liana, but, I mean, Liana was, what, 15? And we know Benjamin yeah, was younger, she was 16 so. when she died. Yeah. 16 or 17, so he would have to be either 15 or 16. Like John's age, probably. And yeah, John's well, and not... always... Go oh, ahead. No, I'd so say John's not particularly mature. I mean, he's more mature... No. Than I would expect Benjamin was, but I always thought it was so weird that he went or that he was allowed to go because by the time he went, Ned was the heir mm-hmm. and with an infant he, son, yeah, with an infant son, and a lot of things can happen to babies, and they were off at war, and that he went off to the wall always yeah. seemed strange. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's because George wasn't, you know, wanted him at the wall. I don't think there was much thought, but... Oh, um, I think it was definitely to protect him from, because of, either to protect him or his own guilt over Liana. Oh, I don't think it's that. I think it's just, I mean, I think all the thought that George put into it was just, you know, he's a younger son, his brother married and had an heir, so he just wasn't needed anymore is kind of the... Yeah. I think, probably beginning and end of it. I don't know. I mean, yeah, as far as George was thinking at this point. Yeah. He just needed someone at the wall that would be there for John to be excited to go there and sort of like almost ignore okay. the warnings. Or to like. And then to magically disappear because then, he, like, to me, even more than that, like, I feel like the person who could have more quickly sort of like giving us answers well, RLJ and things like that is Benjamin. So mm-hmm. him disappearing yeah. is just extremely convenient after accomplishing <laughs> yeah. the first goal of making it attractive for John to want to go there. Well, and I think it makes it attractive for Ned to be willing to send him that Benjamin is yeah. there too. Yeah. I, I don't know that he would have been as willing. Yeah, I don't know that he would have been as willing to send John away if he hadn't known Benjamin would be there. Um, I always, so. I always felt like he sent John on purpose, like he wanted John to do that. To remove him from the game. Oh yeah, I mean because oh, yeah. if, if John ever yeah. found out, I mean, I mean not that I mean, he want, th- would want it, but I think Robert's arrival at Winterfell sort of like sped things up in a way that they weren't meant to be. Because I basically the, from the way Benjamin talked to him at the feast, um, I think they were just expecting him to go. Maybe he's like twenty, twenty-five, and mm. then. You know, there was never supposed to be a situation where Ned is not at Winterfell until, like, way later in life. So I think they definitely planned for him to go there because it's just the safest place, just in case it comes out. And I mean, I, then, know, you know, I know it's George's plotting, but it's always frustrated me that it's like some surprise that, oh, Sans is going to marry John. Like, really? This is a surprise? She's the noblest girl, the... And your best friend's son is the prince. Like, obviously, she's going to marry him and become the queen. Like, how was she not brought up knowing that this was, you know, most likely going to be the path she was going to take and therefore, like, brought up to know that role? Yeah, that's I don't know, though. <sighs> did, did, Ned, did Ned and Kat know that? I don't know that they but did. They should have. 
I get the feeling Ken yeah. kind of had Ned plans. Definitely should have had this as, if not a straight up plan, definitely as a possibility. See, I, I've said before, I think it's ridiculous that, you know, Rob wasn't betrothed or at least that there wasn't yeah. some plan in place. I mean, he's the oldest by quite a lot. Old enough, certainly, to be getting married. I mean, mm-hmm. I get that. I, I can see Catelyn thinking of those things and maybe not expressing that to mm-hmm. Ned because she knows he wants to keep her a little girl or whatever. But, I mean, whether or not, like... a you know, 11, 12 year old is, is that conscious of how that's going to play out or actually has a firm understanding of what that entails is a whole other story. But I mean, that would be logical that she would have that kind of a marriage. Well, yeah, I'm, I, I guess my thought is Ned is so against, you know, being at court and everything. I, I mean, I'm I not saying she that- wouldn't have had an advantageous marriage, but there are a lot of you know, in, in the Sansa age range, there are a lot of eligible guys. I mean, you know, you've got Quentin oh, Martell, yeah. you've got a couple Tyrells at this point still. Well, there's you know. probably, you know, Northern Bannerman, the whole bit. No, I think. Yeah, I think even Robert Aaron, is, I mean. Yeah, knows, I mean, I think. But he knows Robert and he knows how sentimental Robert is. And, you know, of course, Robert, of course, that's going to happen. But he but, I mean, hates Lannisters, so would he really even. Yeah, about marrying Sansa to Tywin's grandson. Well, and he has so deliberately sequestered himself in the yeah. north. He's like, he I'm, has deliberately not gone back to hang out with Robert. You know, I mean, it's been like a deliberate. You know, he loves Robert, and yet he stays so far away from him because he wants no I mean, part of it. And I don't think he wants it for his kids either. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget. I mean, there are people who know know intellectually they should do a thing or that a thing is coming. And that's very different from accepting the thing. (laughs) And as much as we like to knock Ned, that he's not alone. You know, we do this all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I can see why he wouldn't want to go there. I'm just saying she would have to know whether she understands the ramifications. For instance, that going to marry Joffrey means she's probably not going to see her family again or at least not for decades, is another story, or understanding that. But I would say Sansa has to know she's supposed to marry a lord. I mean, whether it's Joffrey or not, I don't know. Um, Well, and and you get the same sense of of that type of thing with John because John is already thinking about the Night's Watch. Clearly, this is either something someone has planted in his head or he planted it in his own head and nobody knocked it out. Um, you know, it's not a new thought that he had when he was thinking about it. So it clearly was a backup plan, at least for him. Well, and I mean, in this chapter, they even mentioned, isn't it Jan Royce's son who's in yes. the watch? Mm-hmm. I mean, that this is a place or, you know, not necessarily as popular as it used to be. It's sort of like having a son who becomes a maester or septon. It's what you do with the extra kids. Yeah, which is how Benjen ended up there. I think that's all George meant with Benjen. It was just like he didn't want to make him a maester or a septon, and he needed him at the wall, so that's where the extra kid got sent. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so after this whole thing where you kind of have the Night's Watch buttering up Tyrion to to bring them some help, we have Tyrion have a a heart-to-heart with Mormont. And this is, it's funny how much exposition there is in this little discussion that they have. Um, yeah. And, uh, you have, you have, you know, Jarrah Mormon, you know, basically, well, Tyrion, Tyrion at one point says that he's almost embarrassed for him. Yeah. That's what stuck out at me too, was that 
that phrase. Yeah. Yeah, because he's trying so hard to convince him to, you know, talk to Robert, talk to Tywin, talk to Jamie. I mean, anybody who will listen. Yeah, and send them help. And it's interesting because I didn't remember this. I don't know that I ever noticed this, but he talks about, he says that there are fishermen at Eastwatch who have seen White Walkers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I read that and I was like, hold on. (laughs) Dang, dude. He basically has it all down. He's like... White walkers are coming. We need to be careful. He he mentions a long night, which I didn't remember being mentioned that early. Me neither. And he also is also, I thought it was really interesting that he thought, you know, if I were to set it down, who will pick it up? Alza Thorne, Bowen Marsh, which he was like, um, I would have to be blind as Maester Eamon not to see what they are, which was interesting to me that he was already worried about leaving the le- the leadership of the watch to them specifically. Yeah. So, and I was like, okay, that's interesting because I didn't remember him being so convinced right away that he was white walkers. Neither did I. I, I, I never remember picking this up in this chapter. And maybe it's one of those things where I just kind of like fly through it and didn't notice, but so much of what ends up being the end game is actually in this conversation that it's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally shocked because I feel like I've never read this chapter before. <laughs> well, and it's, it's funny because, you know, one of the other chapters that came, I think, you know, shortly before this one is Bran, is Bran's, um, I think it's his third chapter, where he's, it's all the dream. And, oh. I mean, again, that, that chapter lays out, like, the entire conflict <laughs> and, you know, a bunch of prophetic shit. And it's, you know, here it is. I mean, it's almost like, Boy, this could have been a much shorter series. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I can kind of see how you could have done this in three books. Like, you kind of laid out the plot right here, you know, looking good, and it just, you know, uh, and some of it, you know, I think like we debate like the the per, you know the man or the knight dressed like the sun and the you know the hound and you know who are all these and it's like uh, that's like the gardening shit like George doesn't even know anymore but I mean so much of it was laid out with the with you know the White Walkers that early yeah yeah it's so funny that he calls them White Walkers too because it's really not it's much more a show for, term right. for them than a book yeah. phrase right well I think this is the one book they read <laughs> Well, and it's so maddening, too, that he talks about Garrod, you know, and in the books, obviously, you know, Garrod is like the grizzled veteran and how he was Mm -hmm. so surprised until Ned sent him his head. And it's like, Ned, you fuck. Like, you know, could they have talked to this guy a little bit more? (laughs) Oh, yeah. With his head. Well, yeah, that's it, because, you know, J.R. Mormont is talking about the fact that Waymer Royce went missing and that he couldn't believe that Garrod had deserted and... You know, that Benjen is missing. And it's very clear that, you know, he has a, a very intense sense of doom. Yeah. Because he says yeah. it flat out. He's like, we're not going to survive this winter. And I don't know if this is something George backed off from a little bit in the next books or if I just read them with the wrong tone. But I just, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like there was much more just like a surrender to the inevitable in Jero Mormont that I'd never picked up on before. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. he's old. He's like, eh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to deal with it. Oh, God. Yeah, I... That's interesting. It was interesting. So, yeah, I guess we've all... We we don't need outlines or anything. We've always known where this was going. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I mean, speaking of way, where it's yeah. going, yeah, really. So speaking of where it's going, then we have Tyrion. So Tyrion, before he goes to bed, he decides he wants to go up on top of the wall and have one last look out from the wall, you know. So he <laughs> takes the elevator up and um, up on top, he finds John, who's on uh, night watch because um, Alistair Thorne is punishing him or something. And they kind of have their goodbye moment and they're buddies and they shake hands and Ghost likes Tyrion and lets him pet him now. Um, it's so interesting reading the, these exchanges between John and Tyrion having just watched season seven of the show. Don't you guys think? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh. And just, you know, even like getting, getting all these hints of the importance of Tyrion and then thinking about how he's been completely removed from the narrative of the last two, you know, last three seasons, essentially of the show. It's like, <laughs> where the fuck is Tyrion in all of this? Like, he's like, you know, he's like a minor character all of a sudden. And, you know, obviously the books, I think he's not. (laughs) Like, I don't know what it's going to be, but, I mean, he is just as much of a main character as John and Danny. Oh, yeah, if not more so. Yeah, Uh and it's interesting how he somehow has almost made a connection with almost everybody who you know will be on that, you know, there will be that one scene where everyone is around and it's kind of everyone is meeting for the first time. But, like, everyone's like, oh, hey, Tyrion. Yeah, I mean, the only person he probably wouldn't know would be, like, if Davos is still around at that point. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Everyone else he knows. I mean, the Greyjoys he wouldn't, good... but, you know. Yeah. But, like, oh, hopefully they'll be dead. <gasps> Not Asha. <laughs> Asha. I mean, no, other than Asha no, and Theon, I don't care. They know, could fall into the ocean. Just sort of, you know, blow away. It's fine. And I guess he's met. Well, has he hasn't really had much interaction with Theon in the in the uh, book, but no. Well, actually, he does. It's he, it's coming up. Come to think of it, so yeah. <laughs> I was gonna oh, say, yeah. yeah. I think I I think we're coming up on that. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's just such a. Know, these are important people. This is an important interaction. Blink, blink, blink. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is, though, because like John in this conversation with Tyrion even like asks Tyrion to help Bran mm-hmm. because he's like, "You helped me, so please help Bran." Yes. You well, know, I mean, like all these messages. And it's just. Um, it's also interesting that he actually asked for John to be one of the people to, you know, escort him back because he wanted to be nice so he can see mm-hmm. his brother again. I was like, oh, Tyrion, pre-asshole yeah. moment. And, you know, I mean, yeah. like Mormont's reasoning seems like pro- yeah. you know, really solid yeah. reasoning, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You don't want them running off. You want them to settle. It makes total sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I I swear, I don't know if I've read this chapter before because I did not remember that. And I was like, this is so cute. But yeah. I'm glad I'm not the only one, Joy, because I felt the same. I was like, have I ever really closely read this before? (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's hard because the John of this, especially the John of like his, the last John chapter and then this chapter, it's so different from the John we ever see on the show. Like this is the John who's like a teenage boy and he's, you know, super excited about Bran being okay, and he's, like, cracking jokes and being kind of not, like, a surly rebel to Alistair Thorne, but kind of, like, a smartass almost. <laughs> and, you know, John 
in the show, John never, he's just never like this. I mean, he's kind of who he is from the beginning. And so we kind of forget that John was sort of like almost, I mean, I hate to use the word rambunctious, but I mean, he kind of <laughs> was kind of like that. And it's like a little bit of lightheartedness almost. Well, yeah, yeah. he's funny. Yeah. yeah, he is. Yeah, you said it in one word when I said it in like 50. <laughs> no, you <laughs> You know, it, and it's interesting because I think on the show, partly because of, you know, how they, that they cast uh, Kit Harrington and also that they just never played that up. You miss all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I and later on, John's chapters with, with Stannis are like a laugh riot. Oh, yeah. Yes, I think it's like I appreciate it a bit more, even though he's still stupid and dance, but it's like I know when you realize how he is naturally and sort of like more emotional and things, when he represses that, then you actually feel it. Like you feel like a loss and you feel like it's this conscious thing that's happening rather than just, oh, I'm just a surly boy who's always been surly. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, yeah, that's a really good point. Cause you know, we, the whole kill the boy. I mean, yeah. the boy, so like, we have to have seen to the boy. Killed. Right. Right. There wasn't just like a, you know, an 80-year-old, 14-year-old, which is kind of <laughs> how I think we remember him a bit. Like, yeah. you know, this is like this boy who had, a, you know, obviously had the family he loved, had, you know, a sense of humor, had these, you know, I mean, he has these, like, I mean, his friendships with, like, Gren and Pip and Sam, I mean, those are really strong, real friendships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has love. He has all, you know, he has, like, a lot that, was, you know, yeah. he had a lot that he lost. Yeah. Well, and speaking of the strong friendships, it's very clear that George wants you to to feel like this is a very genuine friendship between John and Tyrion. Like they actually really like one another. Oh yeah. Which is you know funny when the, you know the original outline of them eventually being rivals <laughs> for the love of Arya, which is so weird. <laughs> I tried to forget that outline as much. I swear for three days I was like. Okay, so when are they going to release that this was a joke? <laughs> like, I just yeah, can't yeah, wait awesome. for someone to be like, oh, Well, I guys. know people who ship John and Arya, and I mean, that that's one thing, Have but they the Tyrion-Arya thing Come was on. just mind-boggling. Yeah, this brings up something really interesting, though, and I, I don't know if we've given our, our uh, mandatory spoiler warning here for books and show, but I'll go ahead and throw oh, it I out did. there. You're right, Cody, I did. <laughs> Damn it, the one iTunes reviewer is going to be on her ass now. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, people were talking about that scene uh, after the boat sex scene with Tyrion looking at Danny's door. And a lot of people were saying that they've switched the Arya with Danny so that now the rivalry will be between Tyrion and Jon and Danny. I mean, I think a little bit because, but I, I, I mean, I think like. I think, like, in the end of season six, they sort of effectively portrayed that Tyrion was in love with her. But if they wanted to have some kind of romantic rivalry, it might have been worthwhile to have her, like... I mean, she could have... Like, what was stopping them from writing her sleeping with him in season six? Like, literally nothing. They could have slept together. She could have had, like, some... Like, yeah, I'm kind of into him. But instead, you know, it's so... Like, it's it's hard to have a triangle when there's no conflict. Yeah, and also it's just like, first of all, that outline should be burnt. But also, um, 
<laughs> sorry, it offends me on a personal level. Uh, <laughs> but, but also, it's just like, uh, first of all, tri- triangles should be on a on a on a ban for about fifty years in every kind of fiction there is. But what if I'm a young what if I'm a young girl in a post apocalyptic world? Shouldn't I have two boys fighting over me? When you think about food and natural resources and your family, really what you need is two boys shouting about who Yeah. It's such a male fantasy because it's like, no, no, really we need to figure out how to survive and and who's gonna sleep with who is not really you know, I would just, yeah, I would just like to I point agree, out Joy. that that a triangle relationship is what sold the Twilight Saga. So, well, <laughs> exactly, and, and that's all you need exactly. to say. <laughs> why it should have been banned? Well, and if you're gonna do a triangle, it needs to be something where there's conflict between and like like you said, and and like presumably, I mean, because otherwise it's just like. It's like Littlefinger lusting after Catelyn. She, yeah. There's no re- re- uh, reciprocity. <laughs> she is not interested in him. That is not a triangle. That right. is a creepy man. And- I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you know, and as shown in the show, there's no reason that Danny couldn't have been interested in Tyrion. You know, like, she absolutely could have been interested in him if they wanted to write it. Yeah, well, hold on, though. Dario was there, so... Well, but after she dumped Dario, I'm saying. Well, and I mean, I gotta say, I mean, Danny seems to have a type. Oh, yeah. And and Tyrion is not that type. I mean, she likes them young and pretty and stupid. I mean... Yes. <laughs> I, I, I... I don't think Drogo was... Well, I mean, but I, well, I don't know that he, you know, that was necessarily her choice, but I mean, I don't know. It's, I don't think they laid the groundwork. If they were trying to do that in the show, I missed that. Yeah, I don't think that they were, but I mean, it would have been easy to make that more. I mean, I think they've laid the groundwork that Tyrion has feelings for her. Do you really? It's I interesting you guys say I that. Don't say that. see that at all. I didn't either. I, I really didn't. It on behalf of Tyrion, to be honest, because... Show Daenerys. I mean, book Daenerys is annoying, but show Daenerys is just <laughs> beyond and violent. Like it's like, okay, you've seen that, and you're like, yes, this is what I want. Again, because like... basically in the show, she's just Cersei with dragons and who listens Ugh. to Tyrion. So that's just, ugh, that's gross. Well, and again, like there's Missandei, like right next to her. <laughs> right, like, right. I would have shipped that so much intellectuals getting together oh my god that would have been awesome i mean of course you think you know, about it they both version, she's so young but well, yeah. book version it's gross but you know yeah. show version i could i could get behind that because i mean everyone on the show is like 45 so yeah. it's <laughs> I mean, aren't are we shipping davos with uh the sunday if show. she's, in, if oh, she's no. interested, no. sure. Who's shipping that? Yeah. No, I, I like I, I like his subtle hitting on her, but unlike some people is. who hit on people, well, let okay. me specify this because we did get like an angry, uh, angry message, and I'm saying he's hitting on her because by and how he's hitting on her is talking to her and asking her questions about herself. <laughs> I just it felt like like you know the nice uncle. I don't know. It I felt mean, like he eyes. was in this. He's in a diplomatic relationship, right? He's supposed to be John's whatever representative. 
He's out there. He's doing what you're supposed to do in a social situation. Oh, sure. Perhaps not well, but I mean, <laughs> if that is hitting on someone, I must do that on an hourly basis. You know, <laughs> Hi, how are you doing? Where are you from? I mean, that is not the, you know, <laughs> that is not hitting on someone. What what was cringy for me? Well, the first time I think it it could it could you could see it either way. So I was like, I respect novels, therefore I choose to see it as just, you know, both ambassadors of their rulers sort of like talking. But first of all, it was that random sort of like it reminded me when I lived in Wales and then these random people would just be like, Where are you from? Oh, I'm from France. No, but like, where are you from? Oh, God. Oh. A white guy asking me where I am from. Right. I was like, mm, okay, let's not have that conversation. I don't know you well enough. Oh, God. <laughs> I like how that's universal. I mean, I don't like it, but I do like how the, the inflection of what that means is apparently entirely universal. From? Jesus. Like, if I, if I elongate the word, I change the meaning. <laughs> God. <laughs> so yeah, so that gave me a flashback in and of itself, but then I think there was another scene where, I don't remember where it was, but I was like, okay, we've gone into flirting territories and you're literally her grandpa, so no. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse. I mean, though, if, you know. And Sand Snake number three, who was like, who was 18 at the time, no. Silver Fox, it's a thing. <laughs> See, to me, I'm never going to get over the Stannis thing, and I really don't think, I, I don't think Stannis, well, yeah, sorry. It's done. It's over. You they don't think him. Stephen Delane is hot? <laughs> I do oh. think he's hot. I'm saying I don't think Davos, I think Davos was far more interested in oh. Stannis than he'd well, ever be in Missandei. Well, but, of you course, know. but, you know, I mean, yeah. he was well, Stephen Delane. Am I the only hot. one? I mean, I ship Missandei with Grey Worm do, oh, yeah, on the yeah. show. Oh, Grey's yeah, they God, think I ship that. No, yeah. of course. I'm just saying if something yeah. tragic were to befall him. <laughs> like it's gonna? Yeah. Like Which the spoilers said it would. Wasn't he supposed to die according to the spoilers in Yeah, but seven? I think that's just that oh, people no, don't want to think about. He didn't appear in them, I think. Yeah. So people oh. he died because they didn't Got talk yeah. about him for the rest of the season. <laughs> so one thing to go back to our chapter a little bit. Was anyone surprised? Oh, yeah. I know. Sorry. Was anyone surprised at kind of the more in-depth description of some of, like, the parameters of the wall? Like, the top of the wall yeah. was as wide as the King's Road and, like, stuff like that. I'm like, that is, like, one <laughs> hell of a wall. Also, they need to invest in cat litter for, uh, instead of gravel and chopped up rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and they also mentioned... I think it was in his speech. Hold on. Once the watch spends its summer building, each Lord Commander raised the wall higher than he found it. So I was like, so this is the first time that I've, that I've, because they either made, you know, sometimes it's like, we're not sure. Is it magic? Is it not magic? But that makes it sound that literally they just did Build whatever it. to make it go higher over time. Yeah. I paused at that as well because it is implied that there are spells involved in the building of the wall. So it's like, how are the regular old knight, you know, like Lord Commanders making it bigger then? I mean, there Where could the be spells on the base and then on the top, it's like just built upon. But, you know, like I was just like, oh, that's interesting because well, usually it sounds like basically the wall, like one day it wasn't there and the next day it was. And it just seems so stupid to be building the wall higher and higher. Like, is 20 extra feet on the wall going to do anything? Or should you be building, like, 
the infrastructure behind the wall on either, you know, or in front of the wall. Like, actually just making the wall bigger is, like, just the most sledgehammery thing to do. I think it was literally a Trump-esque response to the wildlings trying to come over. It's like, um... The organization is made entirely of men. Do you know, do you guys know about the Maginot Line? This is like the totally guy thing. We'll just make it taller. Bigger wall. Are you guys familiar with the uh, Maginot Line in World War II? Yeah. I think that's what this is. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is, especially when... Well, I guess, though, if they know, you know, the others can't go in water, that's pretty effective, but... If they also know that they can't they go can through in it. The books. It's only yeah, on the show the that they can't swim. Well, then it's Except like the dumbest thing in the world. they need to go, like, <laughs> extend chains. Okay. Then they can totally swim. But then the wall is literally <laughs> the dumbest thing in the world since it's, like, this narrow point of the continent. And they can just swim I mean, around it. Works it works if, it's, it's, if it has spells in them because then it's not about physically crossing the wall. It's about magic keeping you right. away. Then I'm mm. like, okay, because even if you try to cross the ocean, if there's some kind of weird barrier... Then oh yeah, 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 yeah. And but, it is like, also there. Physical wall. It's, it's really, not it's just there for the others; it's there to keep the wildlings out. Yeah, I think it's like as it became about the wildlings, then they were kind of like making higher. <laughs> There's a really great little line in there too. It was Tyrion talking about the cold was tugging at his clothes like an impatient lover. Ooh, which yes, I thought yeah. was like such a good phrase. Mm-hmm. Man, he was really trying then. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I will say this for for George, like some of my favorite of his chapters are in dance. I think that mm-hmm. the you know the winds the wind sample chapters that I've read have like the Theon sample chapter is fantastic. The last Ariane sample chapter that was released is great. It's just it you know. Ninety percent too long. Well, right. There's two Ariane chapters, and she hasn't gotten where she's going yet. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's your problem. But like the quality of like the writing itself and the turn of the phrases, like that's still there somewhere. It's just you know, it's taking like eighty four <laughs> I mean, years. Speaking to get of it. turns of phrase, in this chapter, did you guys notice when Alistair Thorne leaves the room after you know he and Tyrion have their run in? George writes it that Alistair leaves the room as though he had a dagger up his butt. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Shakespeare. Yeah. Hey, Shakespeare was not above a butt joke. Oh no, he was <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> right. Same with Chaucer. Uh, yeah, anything I mean, else? Anything else from the chapter, guys? No, just George. You were efficient once, well, I think, or your editor did their jobs. I don't, I don't know what which it is, but yeah, well, you know what? You know what I think. Oh, sorry, Joy, to cut you off. No, no, no go ahead. I think it's interesting. You know, it's so much more interesting when you have POV characters who are in the same place and interacting because it's like we're sitting yeah. here talking about Tyrion and John because they're they're both of them. Yeah, their their chapters kind of zipper together. It's you know a joint story, and it's like this is such a nice thing. <laughs> why isn't he pushing to do this more? I don't well, and like, know. Why are well, people I acting think... like Brienne must die because she and Jamie are in the same? Pl- no, I mean she's certainly <laughs> oh. done this before. I think it's. I think what happened is the story. Well, a, a he a he feels he needs to write everything instead of the economy that he once had. 
in mm-hmm. how he wrote. And B, I think it's like you've got characters. That's why Cersei got a POV because she was the only one in King's Landing. Mm-hmm. You know, what's he going to do? Give Tommen? Tommen in the books is like, you know, eight years old. But he's so not going to give it to little kids. But think how I got to just make this case. Think how much more fun it would be to hear the Cersei story from everyone else. Oh, from yeah. outside the city. <laughs> to just hear rumors of what the fuck was going on. <laughs> I don't know. Her mind is pretty hilarious because true, you still true. see everything. You just hear the crazy next to you. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay. Well, gosh. I have to say, like I'm, I'm finding this this Tyrion read very educational mm-hmm. in the overall structure of the series. I have mm-hmm. to say that. Okay, so do we have any mail this week? Yeah, we have one piece of mail. Um, it's from on Tumblr from Elvis Glasses, who writes, "I'm fairly new to fandom and have been listening to and very much enjoying your podcast." I haven't read the books yet, so your expert insight into A Song of Ice and Fire really augments my experience as a JB show fan. Compliments aside, I'm listening to episode number 20 right now, and I'm kind of having a Brienne in the hair and Brienne in the hair. God, I can't believe I mispronounced Brienne. You're out of the family. <laughs> After all of this, right, having can't. a Brienne in the hair and hall baths moment. I finally see the real you, half a god and half a giggly drunk. Bless you <laughs> all, and please keep up the Lord's work. So, um, <laughs> thank you. And episode 20 was our first drunk cast. So that's, the, and it, I, I actually re-listened to it after I saw this message and, oh yeah, it's a classic. Is it really? We're so, we're so like optimistic. It's just like, it's like listening, it's like listening to different people. Is this what you were doing when you were tweeting? Is this yeah, what this was from? I was, yeah, like, was live tweeting my re-listen of our 20th episode. I love the parts where we were like really optimistic about Jamie going to Dorne. It'll be Dorne will yes. be exciting! Exclamation point. It's really interesting to think how he might inter- interact with Marcella. It's just like... <laughs> Jesus. Anyone that you know, I think we do get some crap in some corners for being show negative and stuff. And it, you know, there, there's always that connotation of, oh, you're a book snob, or oh, you just want to feel smart. And it's like, oh my gosh, we were like, and this was like post sept rape, dude. And, we were getting those complaints then, though. People right. were complaining at that point that we but were I mean, too show yeah, negative. This was, well, do you remember that horrible uh, season where they raped Sansa and all that other yeah, stuff? Yeah, this was right and, before um, that. <laughs> We, I they also leaked. didn't give a rape warning, and I really regret not doing the spoiler rape warnings. Let me throw that in right now. So we spoil everything, and we're probably gonna have to give you a trigger well, warning for rape. Okay, I'm go not ahead, gonna Tom. go into it, but um, I remember they released the first four apps. Well, someone leaked them or whatever, um, and I we went out and we watched them, and I was so like, okay, this is this is good. I was actually enjoying what was happening. And then the fifth, I, and I mean, I was actually pretty positive, I think. And then the fifth episode happened and I was like, oh my God. Uh-uh. But, I, you know, I think we want to be optimistic. Right. We want to enjoy it. I mean, yeah. We were really, yeah. I, I mean, mean, we were genuinely like extremely open-minded about the changes. Like that's the thing that sticks out is like how, you know, it wasn't like, oh, this isn't like the book. So it was like, oh, you know, like at one point we literally talked about how we didn't like the Riverlands plot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god we were so stupid 
<laughs> oh, we're dumb. We're idiots. <laughs> but speaking of drunk cast, we we um we've scheduled our next drunk cast, and it's going to be happening in a couple of weeks. So if you have questions for drunk cast, get them in. Oh God, I, think I, I can't. What I'll be drinking. I can't wait to hear what we'll say that will be really embarrassing in two years' time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure when the winter will be out by 2019. (laughs) Yeah, that that I don't care how drunk I get. I'm not naive enough to say that. Yeah, yeah, I'm broken. As long as season eight is out by 2019, God. Well, I mean, well, you enjoy that. I I think I'm going to be scrubbing my bathroom floors, but you have fun. Because they they just, what was it? That was just this week, actually. This is new news. They just announced that, or well, kind of we've inferred that. They're going to be filming until at least June of next year. Yeah, and it sounds like August, and they've announced the directors. And no, no, none of whom really. I, I look, I do look, but I think with every bit of news, I am more convinced that I'm just gonna go well, and find something else to do. I think the directors. I mean, I think people are pretty oh, yeah. happy with that. I'm fine with directors. Yeah, I'm great with the directors actually. I just don't care anymore. Can <laughs> do. The thought is that um, shooting might have started today, or it might start. Oh. Oh. They've like well, they had the spotting. They spotted Maisie Williams on the way to Belfast. Well, it makes sense because that's when. Uh, I mean, presumably they're, they're going to have a lot of winter scenes. Right. So they should get, you know, start working on that now. <laughs> um. So you're saying they should shoot the winter scenes in the winter? <laughs> Revolutionary. <laughs> I mean, I know this might sound a little, you know, extreme no. or whatever. I think, like, actually, there's probably, you know, I don't even, to be perfectly honest, I don't even know if they do that. Like, if did they shoot in Iceland in the winter or because there's just not very much light? Or do they shoot, like, where there is still snow in the summer, you know? It could be the well, other I way around. Well, I watched the behind-the-scenes thing for last season, and they were shooting uh, when they had less light. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would be now. But still, I think that was only like November, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like the dead of winter. I, yeah, they've never really shot anywhere in like what I would call winter, what those of us who know winter would call winter anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because like, you know, most of their principal is in, in Ireland or Northern Ireland and like, you know, you're not, you're not going to get a snowy winter there. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, you scoff at your winter. Yeah, I mean, like, well, I, I mean, for Iceland, it becomes a bit of a logistical nightmare. Yeah, in those extreme <laughs> weathers, like, yeah, actually die. So. I, I mean, to be fair, you got to bear in mind that they've got to be able to, like, you know, film and get people where they need to go and all that other stuff. It's like, you know, I mean, Iceland's and, not. I mean, there's roads. Like, it's fine. It's, no, but I mean, <laughs> like, you don't want to be. And there's also the issue of. Isn't it like a lot of precipitation doesn't show up on camera, so then they have to add more? Oh, I mean, there's yeah. all sorts of things that they've got to take into consideration. Yeah. Well, that production has gotten longer and longer with the dragons and all. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, I don't know what I'm saying about seeing things. They don't care about that. They'll just, you know, cut <laughs> right. more lights. So, you know, we can film entirely in the dark and it'll be fine. Yeah, they're going to like be like, oh, my God, we got so many new things. Look. And we can't see anything. It's the long yeah. night, it's going to be so, so dark. 
I keep wondering if they're going to like bring out their own brand of TV that actually has enough brightness that you can see it. And it's just a big <laughs> it's like an HBO premium, you know, you yeah, yeah. like monthly thing and then you pay extra to actually see the scene. Like you can see John Oliver just fine, but if you want to see Game of Thrones, <laughs> 20 more bucks a month. Did you guys see the news article about how how much it's going to cost per episode for this final season? The comments nope. were hysterical, but how yeah. Much? 15 million per episode. Which doesn't well, seem like something. that much, though, when you consider they're supposed to apparently be feature-length, so it seems kind of cheap, really. Well, yes. Fifteen million episodes? Too bad they won't be spending any of that on writers, but yeah. <laughs> that's 90 million in total. I mean, that's uh, that's the, the price for a feature... Oh like, man, you know, movie. So I guess it makes sense. Why? I had to laugh when I saw the uh, directors for the last episode. Well, who is it? <laughs> it's the main the main writers, isn't it? Yeah. Ew. Actually, they've they've directed a couple of episodes, and they weren't bad episodes. Like yeah, they weren't. Two Swords is a good episode. Yeah, not, oh, yeah, that was. They're not bad directors, but their writing sucks. Right. And well, no, no, they're terrible writers. <laughs> terrible writers. <laughs> then I better not read any interview where the director of that episode is like, I think this was what's happening. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> it's funny though. We I think we this is what I meant. <laughs> Although to be fair, like I, I mean, I've been there. I think this is what I meant when I wrote this, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Although I would point out, Guile, that this is not your job. I mean, you're you're writing in your spare time, and as far as I know, no one is sending you buckets of money to do it. And if they are, please send them my way because I'd write more. But uh, you're not. It's not your job, but this is their job. They should be able to do it. Yeah, well, you know, George should be able to write a fucking book in seven years, too, but he hasn't. So it's like... Well, there is that. You know, touche. <sighs> everyone, everyone sucks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> everyone does. It, it's that all is, gone to shit. Yes. <laughs> yep. That Pretty is much. kind of the theme of a song of ice and fire, right there. Everyone sucks, oh. and it's all going to shit. <laughs> you know, and freezing. What I yeah. never expected to be living that. That's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I read this kind of fiction because it's not like life, but no, I'm living it now. So. Oh my god. Oh, sorry. Note: <laughs> Like to get in touch with close the door and come here, and send us your own horror stories. Um, we are close the door and come here um, on Tumblr. Um, we are at door podcast on Twitter. Did I get that one right, Kyle? Yeah, sure. yeah. Um, and what is our Gmail? Close the door and at gmail.com Yep, does that sound right? Do yep. you guys love how I just <laughs> did not plan yeah, the ending correct. at all? This is such a good moderator. <laughs> really good at this job (laughs) anyway please send us you know any of your questions or um you know comments and um by the way i definitely will try to remember a spoiler warning and a rape trigger warning the next time that i ever moderate a podcast which will probably be never so (laughs) thanks everybody thanks (laughs) oh god (laughs) all right bye everybody
Bye. 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 Bye.